Welcome back, Cal listeners. This is Methodical Millions, episode 22. Cal, there's a lot of hype in the news right now. We've got Tesla and Apple that are about to go into a stock split. And I figure we talk about that for a bit. What's your opinion? Stock splits and reverse stock splits are very, very popular in the markets. They happen quite frequently for many companies throughout the year. So just to explain to those who are not familiar what a stock split is, let's use Apple for an example. During their earnings call, they announced that by the end of August, they would have a four to one stock split. So that means whatever the price will be at a certain date, let's assume it was 400 at the time of the split. So four to one means that they will take that one share that would cost you $400 today to buy and split it into four shares, right? So that means those shares would be of equal value and each of them will be at a $100 price. Now, the benefits of that is that it makes it a lot more affordable for investors to actually buy the stock because now instead of owning one share of Apple at $400, you can own four shares of Apple at $100. There are implications to that in the sense that what they call the float or the outstanding number of shares in the market now has effectively quadrupled. So that can and does affect the way that the stock can perhaps behave in the sense of the speed of it jumps up or crashes down. It also affects the dividend payout, whatever they used to pay at. The dividend payout for one share when it was $400 would be different. The new one would be quarter the dividend payment of the $400 share. But in terms of actual value, let's say I already own 100 shares of Apple at $400, Now I'll have 400 shares of Apple at $100. So from existing investors' point of view, nothing really has changed from the value of what they have. And same with Tesla. They announced a 5 to 1 stock split. So assuming the price of the stock is $1,500, before the split, it turns into $300. So again, that becomes more attractive. The hope that it makes it more affordable for investors to buy. And because it's a company that has quite a lot of focus on it hopefully can help increase the price and hence the market cap of the company. Yeah, it's an interesting concept because even with private companies, whenever you want to bring on more investors, you do issue shares. I've heard that happen with Uber. So sometime between their inception and pre-IPO, they actually had a seven to one split and the valuation of the company doesn't change. So like an Uber might be worth 20 billion or 50 billion. Like Cal was saying, the share amounts change, but the total value of the company theoretically stays the same. What you'll find is, I think because you'll have more shares accessible, some might sell 20% to lock in some profits. And over the long term, if you have a share price that's not too high. So I think the best example, Warren Buffett's Berkshire holdings are like quarter million dollars a share. And I remember he was the big name people thought about 10 years ago when I got into investing. And I remember looking up that share price when I was brand new and it was about 150 or 180,000. And I was like, wow, imagine owning one of those. So I guess it perhaps provides a liquidity opportunity. Not that these two stocks in particular are not liquid. I think they're probably 
the most liquid out there in terms of volume of trades per day and how easily you can buy and sell the stock. Small bid and ask spreads too. But it's quite cool because people who might be joining the ranks of investing and could be 19, 20 years old today might see that as an opportunity. They might say, hey, you know, I'm going to save up for one share and maybe they'll skip a pair of Nikes or save up all they can. And that's what brings us to the concept of who can invest and who should be allowed to invest. And I think that answer is essentially anyone. So the more we make investing accessible, whether someone's right or wrong, I'd argue they'd be learning along the way. And if they really support a product or someone who's a visionary, I say go for it. I think they should be able to buy a share. I'm going to give a shout out to Robinhood. So that's probably the most common trading app in the US for quote unquote millennials. It's an app instead of a website where there be a discount brokerage that I think they don't actually charge a commission to transact. But just like Google and Facebook, they make money somehow. So I think there was something about that brokerage selling their trade data by like a tenth of a second, or maybe someone can buy and front run it. And whether it's market makers or other people, I don't actually know exactly what their monetization method is. Someone can look into that and maybe give us a shout. But at paper value, you could start with $100 there and grow it. So especially with small accounts, I find that commissions will eat up your potential gains. So 5% in a day, for example, is massive. But if you add another 10% or 20% on that $100 because of the in and out of selling, you could be right and still lose your principal to those. So the reason why I bring up Robinhood is they have something called fractional shares. And whether a stock's in a split or not, that actually gives someone the opportunity to own, I think, like an eighth of a share, very similar to Bitcoin, as we talked about. So as the share price appreciates over the long term, a share could go from $500 to 2000 And if you're 20, trying to figure out how to pay for school, maybe working a part-time job, you might not be able to buy that and you want a fraction. So I don't know the percentage of retail investors who own fractional shares. I think Robinhood handles that accounting themselves. I think the underlying concept is make investing accessible. And if the accounting is easy, it was just numbers on a page. I totally agree with it. I agree with stock splits. I think the opportunity is there and psychologically people might perhaps be willing to buy in at a lower number. I don't know if that's intentional. What are your thoughts, Cal? What's the psychology behind a stock split? I wanted to mention that I'm not sure how effective stock splits can be now to investors. Now, for most investors right now, yes, it can make it more accessible. But I think more and more brokers are now adopting the fractional share program. Again, I don't know exactly how that works, but you potentially own a fraction of a share, whether it was one eighth or a quarter or half. So what it does is makes it a bit more affordable. It can buy a portion of a share. So now with stock splits, that was the case behind it that can make the stock price a bit lower and more affordable for investors. Having said that, I think it's not going to change it much because globally, not many brokerage firms have adopted that program yet. I think just a handful led by Robinhood, perhaps. I just want to add that they do make their money through how they route the orders. So how they direct the routing for the orders can help add or reduce liquidity to the markets. And for the more technical intraday day trader, 
what it does is you can actually sometimes save some money or spend extra money to either speed up your order by going through faster routes or save some money by going through a slower route. It's a bit technical, but a lot of brokers have what they call smart routing. And what that does maybe perhaps with Robinhood is they can make their money there where they can route it on their own. You don't have to worry about all that technical stuff. And that's how they can make their flow of income there as well. So they are effectively shifting their cost basis instead of charging you for commissions and from your hand to someone else. Commissions have never been as low as they are today all over the world, and they can still be a very big factor in actually having a green day or a flat day in terms of breaking even or having some winners but end up losing because of commissions you pay. It's more obvious to the day trader and less obvious to an investor who takes a couple trades a month or a quarter or something like that. But with that, I find the fractional shares program is quite interesting. I'd like to see how that evolves. Assuming you have half an Apple share right now, so after the 4 to 1 stocks, but you end up having more because of it. It's quite interesting. And for those who don't know as well, there's something called reverse stock split. So let's use the NASDAQ, for example. So with the NASDAQ, for stocks to be listed, there's a minimum requirement that you cannot be below the $1 mark per share for a certain period of time. So after a certain period, your stock is still under a dollar per share as a company, you'd get a warning letter saying if the price doesn't go back up, then you might get delisted and actually get effectively demoted over the counter, which is less regulated and it's a bit hard to get out of. So what some companies do is they do reverse stocks, but so let's say you have your share is 50 cents a share, you do a one to four reverse stock split, and then effectively your shares will be at two dollars and the float, which is the outstanding number of shares, reduces in that case. And sometimes you'd see behavior after that activity in terms of people trading the shares because of it. And you'd see sometimes a spike in the price temporarily for a day or two, and then another drop. And when a realization that nothing really happened much there, but it's just because it affects the actual float. The number of outstanding shares does affect the supply and demand, basic economics, and that can effectively change the behavior of the stock as we know. So it'll be interesting how Tesla behaves when it has a five to one stock split. Maybe there's still enormous demand that it can effectively still push the price up of Tesla after the stock split, but it's going to be interesting to watch and see for sure. Yeah. So Tesla's market cap is about 300 billion as of end of day close on Friday. I just Googled it. I remember for years, they would float around, let's say 50 billion. It was a big story when they crossed 100 and the valuation was always called into question, but I'm going to focus the conversation around Elon Musk's comp plan. So he has this compensation plan where he doesn't get paid in salary. I think he's one of those dollar per year salary CEOs. So his pay plan is aligned with the success of the company in terms of market cap, units delivered, share price, all that kind of crazy stuff. So I'm just going to Google it here. There's 12 stock option tranches where he can exercise more shares. And the first one actually hit at 100 billion. So he gets an unlock, if you will, almost like a video game. And here's what's interesting. This is a 10-year plan. It was announced in 2018. So let's see how Mr. Musk is doing. So what he has is a plan to hit several market caps. And I think the end of it was around 600 billion or 650. I'm just trying to read it up now. And he's around half that at 300. 
it looks like he's expected to hit 175 billion in revenue where he was sub 20 before. Watch the growth of this company. So a year ago, there was no China factory. There was no Gigafactory in Berlin. There's no announcement of Texas. All these things are kind of coming together. And I would say they're probably the fastest growing company that's going to change the world in a meaningful way where it's going to have a forcing function towards electrification. You've got Ford, Volkswagen, some of the big names really pushing towards electrification. And we will likely be driving on cars that are plug in, just like our phones. You can go far on this timescale if you want. You can say 10 years, but my really conservative guess is 10 years where most brands will have half of their cars as electric. And I think that'll give enough time for the competition to catch up. So their big competitive advantage today is battery technology. And there's an investor day coming up for their battery technology. They're probably the only company I know of today that works on that technology in-house because that's their business model which is make batteries to power their growing company. I remember a stat, I think three years ago, before their first factory was even built, someone did math and said, if we were to deliver half a million cars a year, which they're going to hit this year for sure, there is not enough battery supply in the world to fulfill that production capability. So you'd have to stop production of every iPhone, every laptop, And the batteries are there, but there's just not enough. So they went out and built their own plants, made their own supply chains, everything from mining to final production. And their goal is to make factories a product. So they're going to have this manufacturing box where you put raw materials in and a car comes out. And that's the goal. They're vertically integrating the whole process. So You reduce parts flying around the world. That's how you bring the cost down. You have everything from A to B locally sourced, almost like food. So what you'll do is you'll have cars that are sold in Cali or built in Cali, cars that are sold in China or built in China. It almost makes sense, doesn't it? And yet somehow that doesn't happen. Tesla would build parts in China, assemble them in Cali and ship it back to China. It's such an inefficient use of money. And I think that's really cool that someone's actually thinking about these problems and doing it on a ground up basis. So there's a lot of innovation there. And I think the indicator for the success of the company and growth is not at face value. Can I triple my money on a $300 share price? It's more of what room does this company have to grow? What's their growth rate? This is how startups are valued. So to make something investable in the private space, if you're an angel investor, you want to have outsized returns as we talked about. So a 1.5x is not quite interesting over 5-10 years. It's still very good if you're a conservative investor, but how do you 5x your money or 10x? And I think Tesla's growing still at 50% a year. And what makes them interesting is they've gone into energy storage, solar panel production. They've got a solar roof product that is still a lot more expensive than shingles, but it competes with some of the big names in terms of fancy tiles. So You can get this one-stop suite of products where you're essentially sustainable off the grid. You can actually power the grid, I think. That's coming soon. And show me someone who is making cooler products than that. I'm biased, of course. I'm a huge Tesla fan given my history and background. But Apple, I know they're working on AR glasses, which is kind of cool. They had a self-driving project or some car project. I think they sunk $20 billion 
And Apple is a good example of a huge balance sheet. And I think Tesla just crossed the 8 billion mark in terms of cash on hand. So they're quickly growing and building a war chest of money to ensure they don't teeter on the verge of going in the wrong direction. Cal, let's hear your thought. You're the Apple fan. What's Apple going to do in the next five years that could be... I still have that theory that Apple, Tesla, and Amazon are going to go to battle and be the main three companies in the same space. So is Apple going to go to space? Is Apple going to get into cars? What are your thoughts? I am a big fan of Apple. I'm not an expert, but it has been gaining a lot of my interest. It's been a very solid company for many years. It's not new, but it's not something I had my eye on till maybe about a year ago or just under that. And I'm just impressed. They have their own customer slash fan base, and they're very, very loyal to Apple. So that definitely has its own value. They have a ton of cash on hand. So it shows me that a company is incredibly profitable and still has money on the side for something unfortunate happens. They are more than ready to take up the challenge and try to work it out. They have a very solid product line. They had an autonomous vehicle or electric vehicle project. Dyson also had one and actually it got canceled. So I don't know about Apple. It's been a while, so I'm not sure if it's still in the works or not. But the reason I like it is because Apple keeps innovating. They keep providing something that the people want, easy to use products, very, very durable. And it seems that almost at any price point, they provide their products. You have customers that are more than happy to spend their money on the product. It shows customer satisfaction. And again, that's huge value. And for a company that's well over a trillion dollars in valuation right now, I think at the time of this recording, I might be mistaken, but it's either on its way or already has exceeded the world's most valuable company in terms of valuation, which is Saudi Aramco, the oil company. So that's enormous. It's not the only company that crossed a trillion dollars. I think you have Microsoft, you have Amazon. Actually, I'm not sure about Amazon either, but I think if it's not there, it's definitely on its way. The reason you believe in a company is you want to see there's demand for its products, there's belief in its future. And that's the case with Tesla. We all know that you're a huge fan. I've been a definite advocate of Tesla. Nowhere near as knowledgeable on them as you are, but I do see the appeal. And I believe that even with this huge surge that went from under 100 billion valuation to over 300 billion in under a year, I still think they're just starting because they're still not everywhere across the globe. And imagine if they're all over the world right now, how big that company will be. And I think they're on their way for sure. Their pace of innovation is outstanding. I'm quite the science guy, if you like. I enjoy the energy efficiency model. Tesla's well about that, maybe about energy storage. Some people think of Tesla as an automotive company. They're more like an energy or technology company, actually. They're trying to advance everything. And I think Apple and actually Amazon, for that matter, are in some way or the other going to transform what we have quite a lot, especially with this pandemic that's happened recently. It's shifted the way we actually go about our day in terms of shopping or in terms of communicating or in terms of even transportation now. That can change quite a lot because of it. And I think these companies are showing their hands now. It's quite something. Yeah, 
I'm glad you brought up Microsoft as a giant. So I'm just looking at their market cap. I pulled it off Google again, and Amazon and Microsoft earned that 1.58 trillion mark. Do you remember, Cal, how probably a year ago when there was companies in that 500 to $700 billion stage, how no one thought a trillion was even in the grasp of things. And it's funny how companies blew past that. Even Google, I just pulled them up, hit a trillion dollars, 1.02. So I think this is a cool concept to think about. What's the upper limit of a company's valuation for their total market cap? So we talked about share price, assuming no dilution, which means issuing more equity to raise money. So companies might do that to increase their balance sheet. And if they're in a situation where money's tight or they have a big project that they forecast will produce a good return. So let's say Apple didn't have $300 billion on their balance sheet and they wanted to compete with Amazon or in the TV space and they want to raise $50 billion. They're a financially sound company, as we talked about, so they'd probably raise money, but you might get diluted. What's that, 5%? Yeah, it's actually closer to 2.5%. That's mind-blowing. Apple's at $1.97 trillion. So they'll probably be the first $2 trillion company. Kudos to them. Great job, Apple. I do actually have a MacBook Air. Their products are fantastic. My sister's the biggest fan, so she's had some influence on me that way. They've got that rabid fan base for sure. But just attention to detail. So make a product that doesn't suck. It's almost easy, right? Focus on the product, focus on the service, the customer experience. And if you have the drive to mix your passions in with that, I think you can't go wrong. So before we wrap up here, Cal, valuation, let's take a bet. Who's the first $5 trillion company? Probably one of those companies, right? Like an Amazon, maybe even Microsoft, but I don't know. Microsoft's just strictly software. My guess is, let's take a bet. So we're in 2020, let's say 2025. Who's going to have the biggest market cap out of Amazon, Apple, and Tesla? I'm going to go with my home team. I'm going to go with Tesla. I don't think they'll hit $5 trillion, but maybe they'll merge with SpaceX or something. It's an interesting thought too. So SpaceX is going to go to Mars. That company is probably going to be worth $5 trillion if they succeed. Like some crazy amount of money because who's taking us to other planets? No one. Yeah, I'm going to go with some Elon Musk company. That's my bet. What do you think, Cal? Apple, Amazon, what's your pick? I wouldn't be too surprised if actually, like you said, if Tesla or Elon Musk company makes it to $5 trillion. I'm eagerly waiting for a SpaceX IPO. I'd be all over that if I could, because I'm absolutely passionate about what they're working on. So it's tough to say, but can you look up Amazon's market cap for me, please? What is it for Amazon right now? So as of closed Friday, Amazon's at $1.58 trillion. It's exactly Microsoft's market cap, 50% more than Google, and they are just about 25% below Apple. And just to clarify for our listeners, we're just going off of total market cap. We're not looking at profits, revenue, products. We're just going based on the total value of the company today, whether that's right or wrong. Yeah, I would say either. Can I do an either or scenario? It's, it's between, a fun bet. Give me your one and I two and why. Say, I would say number one is Google, number two, Amazon. 
even though Google is like 1.02 trillion. The reason being is I think data is pretty valuable, but I think as we approach the age of artificial intelligence and Google with its new quantum computers happening right now, I wouldn't be surprised to see if their valuation surges insanely. And because that's information that can be used beyond being even on Earth, I think that could be almost compound effect on the return. So I think Google will be on top or first of five trillion and maybe perhaps Amazon for the same reason. Because they are such a huge online retailer, they provide the platform for retailing. They have access to all that data. Just a complete guess here, but that's what I think. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll write that down and someone remind us in 2025. We'll see you all then. So I think we'll wrap it up there. Maybe we can talk about data next time. It's a cool topic. Didn't get to dwell into too much today. So thanks everyone for tuning in. That was Methodical Millions, episode 22. If you'd like to follow future episodes, you can find us at methodicalmillions.com or info at methodicalmillions.com for episode feedback. Thanks, everyone.